to the Gone Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Howell. And I'm your host, Angie Rogers Howell. What is the Gone Boss Podcast? Well, it's a weekly podcast featuring awesome people in our community. We'll interview them, find out what makes them tick, the cool things they're doing to make our community a great place to live and work, and how they've gone boss. Be sure to check us out at goneboss.com or hashtag goneboss. We're on Instagram at goneboss2k or find us on Facebook by searching for goneboss. We're brought to you today by our premier sponsor, Schaefer Leadership Academy. Learn more at schaeferleadership.com. What do they have coming up? An in-person workshop. In person. In person. Not virtual, not at your computer. Come to the Innovation Connector. In person. And meet people. Absolutely. It's going to be Tuesday, February 28th from 1.30 to 4.30. So it's a three-hour session. Now, is that the last day of February? I believe it so. should be. It should be. Right? It's not a leap year this year, right? Correct. Correct. So, cor- yes, it is the last day of February. So be there or be square. I what guess. time? One thirty to four thirty at the Innovation Connector. It's a three-hour session, and it is called Leading Change. This interactive workshop explores the key parts of leading an organization or department through significant change, transition to new leadership, sudden shift in resources, personnel, or implementing new strategies and goals. So we're going to learn the key parts of organizational change. We're going to explore how change affects personnel, morale, and retention. And develop a practical plan of action that can be immediately implemented. You know, when I was working for other people, not you, of course. Of course, not me. When I was working for other people, change was the toughest thing. I think change is always the toughest thing. They would come in, change things on you, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't like change in my personal life, let alone, you know, business or having somebody else tell me I have to change. Or if I'm like, all right, now I got to change this whole organization or how we do things. That's tough. So it it takes some finessing and some way to do it. And you're going to learn all about it. All about it on February 28th from 1.30 to 4.30 in person at the Innovation Connector. Last day of February. We'll see you there. Learn more at SchaeferLeadership.com. Today in the studio, we have Kay Stickle. Welcome. Well, good morning. I'm glad to be here. Well, thanks for coming. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I grew up in Michigan. I knew by the time I was four or five that I wanted to be a teacher. And I taught anything that would sit still. My kittens, neighbor's dog, uh, my (laughs) dolls, anything. And then uh, I finished high school. In high school, I was in the band and in the chorus and then went to Eastern Michigan for my for uh, my teacher training, taught in uh, inner city schools in okay. Pontiac, and then later in Lansing. Then I was asked to come back to, or come to Michigan State and do some graduate work. So I did that. And while I was there, I worked out of the president's office. And the president at Michigan State was very close uh, friends professionally and socially with John R. Emmons, president at that time of East of Ball State. Okay. They had summer cottages up in northern Michigan together. And he came home from a convention and said, you need to go to Muncie. You need to uh, meet the people at Ball State University. They have a position in elementary ed. So I did that. Well, I was thrilled that to see Muncie because in high school, 
I worked for General Motors Corporation, the General Motors Truck and Coach Division, and my job after school was hunting for lost rail cars. Okay. We weren't computerized. Right. And you may remember <laughs> that they wrote the destination in chalk mm-hmm. on the side of the rail cars. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was quite an experience. Well, when I we had two major rail routes, Detroit to St. Louis and Chicago to Atlanta. Well, they crossed give or take, in the vicinity of Muncie. Well, about 80% of the lost rail cars that I found were in Muncie, Indiana. Really? And I told everybody around the office, you know, Muncie must not be a city. It must be just a railroad car, you know, just a <laughs> railroad track. Well, then, so when they asked me to come to Ball State, I thought, I'll be able to see those railroad tracks. And I learned they did have a lot of oh, railroad tracks. they do tracks. have a lot of railroad tracks, And that's for sure. I live south of the one of the railroad tracks, so it made it hard to get to work. Oh, okay. Well, jumping in the story, I fell in love with Ball State and Muncie, Indiana, because I always like to work where you work hard, but you play hard. Mm-hmm. And... One of the things that I loved about everybody I met at Paul State was they were active in this, they were active in that, they were community-oriented. We went to uh, dinner that night at, as they called it at that time, the bird, okay, the flamingo, mm-hmm. and I was introduced to all kinds of wonderful community people, and that said a lot to me. So I accepted their offer. And I came here for two years, and that was in 1968. Okay. And obviously, I'm still here. Uh, you stuck around. I stuck around because though I interviewed at other places, nobody had everything I loved about Muncie and about Ball State. I had opportunities here that probably wouldn't have had elsewhere. So that's my, part of my story. Okay. So how do you find lost rail cars? Did you just call around and well, say, yes, do you have yes. it? <laughs> you, you, uh, they have had a kind of a ledger thing. Okay. And you would, you would sort of follow the route. And it was, they had the car here, but it didn't get to the next city. Okay. So, you know, it's so got to be somewhere in between be in there. there. And I learned, go to Muncie, because it's probably in Muncie. <laughs> okay. And, also, the employees here were pretty good at finding my cars oh, here, well. <laughs> and I really thought after I moved here, I should offer a party to all the the rail yard people Absolutely. in Muncie because they had helped me do my job so well when I worked for General Motors. Well, that's so. such a fun story. You don't, oh, you don't hear things like that all the time. Yes. That's pretty cool. So you stuck around Muncie. I stuck. And then what, did, what, what have you done since then? Well, since then, I taught in the elementary ed department. And uh, I came to Muncie from Michigan State by way of Managua, Nicaragua. I had been sent there by the United States Department of International Development to work with the schools in Managua, Nicaragua. And it was really an interesting assignment because Nicaragua was uh, a dictatorship. Mm -hmm. And the State Department wanted me to know very, very clearly how I was to behave and perform in a dictator country because I... I had to be politically astute. Mm-hmm. 
Well, they I had to go to Washington for a week prior to my assignment and be trained and know all the political things. Well, I was in Nicaragua working with the schools about a week when this beautiful entourage of black cars with beautiful flags on them drove into the schoolyard. And the school superintendent came to me and she said, this entourage is for you. You're getting an invitation from the president of, of Nicaragua. So... Uh, they unrolled a scroll and read this scroll oh, wow. in Spanish, mm-hmm. and she translated for me. And it was, would I give a lecture at the university, which was owned by Somoza, the dictator, on how to teach the reading of English? So I saw that as certainly non-political and, right. and perfectly safe, so I agreed. Well, that was wonderful. And I had a wonderful time. They had a translator for me. And in typical South American culture, Central American culture, at the end of the lecture, I was invited to the Somoza Palace. Well, honey, no girl is going to decline an opportunity to go. (laughs) I'm not declining any opportunity to go to any palace. (laughs) Yes, I remembered that I was supposed to stay socially distanced, but... I was not going to stay socially distanced. I couldn't think there could be anything too political about a dinner at 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. So I, I accepted the invitation to the dinner, and their palace was out on Lake Nicaragua. And I had a wonderful time. Well, in about three days, a black car drove to the school again. This time, it's the American ambassador. And he is there to explain, and with my superintendent, Mm -hmm. who's doing the translating, that if there is a coup in Nicaragua, unless I shaped up and flew straight, he would not be obligated to get me out of the country. Oh, goodness. (laughs) And I said, on what cause? Well, because I had, had lectured at the university, owned by Somoza. And I said, well, teaching of reading in English is not... A political topic. And that's what I'm here for. Our government sent me here to Mm -hmm. help them with their schools. Well, he conditioned me and the superintendent kept patting my back like, don't worry, honey, don't worry. (laughs) And so I said, I understand your concern. So we'll let that go. Well, when he left, the superintendent said, Kay, he doesn't have any airplanes. He can't get you out of the country. All the airplanes in the airport are owned by Somoza. He'll get you out of the country. So, <laughs> so it, you were safe either way. Yes. So I, it's those kinds of things that make fun for me. That is fun. So what do you do? What organizations are you a part of now? Well, right now I volunteer, seeing I'm retired, I volunteer one whole day a week at Ball Memorial Hospital. I volunteer in the morning in the NICU, the newborn intensive care unit with our little premature babies. I cuddle them. I supply the nurses with uh, all their equipment and their their diapers and all their materials. And then in the afternoon, I go to the cancer center because over 30 years ago, I had ovarian cancer and chemo at Ball Memorial. So it's kind of fun for the patients to see somebody that has been a former patient and is now in motion. Right. And so I work there in the afternoon. Then whenever I'm needed down at the Civic, I serve on the board at Mm -hmm. the Muncie Civic Theater. And then I help Laura. Once in a while, I'm on stage. A few years ago, I was on stage with Fiddler on the Roof. I was the rabbi's wife. A wonderful role. 
minuscule. Oh, I had two sentences to well, say. Well, there you but, go. Good. I mean, it was my debut. Uh, yeah. And then recently, you and I were on stage in the chorus yes. for Hunchback of Notre Dame, and that was such fun. That was so fun. Was I really it? liked it. Oh, yeah. And what a powerful program. It was such a, such a dramatic it show. It was so good. To be in wonderful Muncie. Absolutely. And every person was so dynamic in that. Then I often were help Laura in the green room, especially if the play has lots of children. Mm-hmm. I help them uh, stay a little bit sedate when yeah. they're You're like stage. the child wrangler. Yes, I'm, I'm the, they sometimes call me the child wrangler or the children's assistant. Oh, okay. That's the noble title. That's nice. And I help them get their costumes and get everything going and keep everything rolling and love that. Then I read essays for the El Trusa Club. Mm -hmm. They have an essay contest for fourth grade children on something related to why I should learn to read or Mm -hmm. why reading is important. So I do that. And then I read essays for the the, uh, Committee on Integrity Education. Okay. And that's always about some aspect of integrity. Integrity when I'm on technology or integrity when I'm in sports or something. So I I do that. And you keep yourself busy. Yeah. 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 Active at High Street Methodist Church and their activities. So... And whenever anybody calls and has something fun to do. <laughs> well, nice. Well, it so- sounds like I'm sensing a theme uh, in your volunteer activities of kids, children, yes. babies, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. If you find any stray kid, let me know. Okay. Oh. So you get to cuddle babies in the NICU? We get cuddle babies. I sing to them. I cuddle them uh, because... Uh, many of our babies are born with high needs. They may come out of a, a, a drug situation mm-hmm. or an alcohol situation, and sometimes uh, their family is not readily available to them. Sometimes the, the mother has to go back to work. So we are called cuddlers, and, and as a nurse directs us, we can hold them and talk to them and sing to them. And I, I teach them the days of the week and all kinds of fun things mm-hmm. to so that we get them used to responding to to, to language mm-hmm. and conversation. And then we're highly trained. We can feed, we can change diaper, we can uh, bathe, whatever we've been trained to do. Plus, then the nurses make all the decisions. Uh, you can hold this baby. Some of our babies are so delicate, either uh, touch-wise or sensory that we just put our arms around the periphery of their uh-huh. body. Or if they're really sensitive, we just put our hands over their chest and tummy. And it's amazing how they will quiet down just with the warmth, Aww. without touching their skin mm-hmm. at all. So I love it. That seems like that would it, be a very rewarding it job. Is And every once in a while, something fun happens. A friend of mine and I were walking out of the Red Apple one morning having breakfast, and it was a cold, windy morning, and there was a, a family, two couples, getting out of the car with babies. And I said, oh, no, you get, let, get the babies out. I'll get, we'll get into the car next, because we were side by side. And all of a sudden, the parents on the far side of the car said, I think that voice is Cuddler Kay. <laughs> and I said, it is Cuddler Kay. Well, they had, their baby had been in, in NICU for a few days, mm-hmm. several days. And so they had heard me talk and sing to their baby. And it was interesting because I went over and talked to the baby for just a minute and head wiggled and eyes blinked. And 
I like to think he remembered. And I think my he voice, recognized but, your voice, but I don't know. But I'll claim he but did. I will say that yes, he probably Good. did. Good. So, are you an early bird or a night owl? Well, I'm kind of both. I my my bottom will drag kind of in the middle of the day for a little while. Okay, but I kind of get up early. I'm not real early. Eight o'clock is perfect. Okay, that's good. And then I have to put the be- the community and the whole world to bed with the eleven o'clock news. Okay, and so uh, that's kind of my my stretch. And uh, if there's anything going on that'll be fun, anything at Emmons, anything at Civic, anything down at Canon Commons, honey, I'm going to be there. You're going to be there. Excellent. Yes. Nice. What's your favorite band or artist? Listen, that I am such a local yokel. I love America's Hometown Band. They I are good. I love Dr. Ruth and all the, the directors, and I really enjoy the subgroup called The Big Band. It's the jazz band oh, okay. that Larry McWilliams directs. And, oh, wherever they go, if they're at Minotrist, if they're down at Cannon Commons, I'm there, there. to cheer them on. I love Preservation Hall. I love New Orleans jazz, so I enjoy those. I don't. I enjoy many of the of the newer bands, but I don't always know their names mm-hmm. because they don't always give them on the radio. That's so true. I'm lost. Okay, but I sure love the Preservation and Muncie hometown band. Nice. Now you said you were in band in high school. What did you play? I played clarinet. Okay. I think every every band has about 400 clarinet They do, yes. Every high school band. <laughs> I played saxophone because oh, I be- had a, like a mouth for woodwinds, yes. but I did not want to play flute or clarinet because there were like a bajillion of them, and oh, yes. all the girls played those, and I didn't want to play the girl instruments. Of so course I played not. saxophone instead. Oh, and, <laughs> and you could be in any jazz band then. Oh. Yep. I think you better get it out and let Larry McWilliams know. Oh, and join. I haven't played in a long time, but we'll see. Maybe one one day. Or or come down to the Civic to the pit band. That's true. I've thought about that before, so we'll see. They well, would love that. We might do mm-hmm. something like that. Have you ever met anyone famous? I have. Well, I've already mentioned to you President Somoza, uh, the, yeah. the president of of Nicaragua. And while I was, uh, one of my assignments at Ball State was to teach in a master's degree program on military bases in Europe. And I was on an assignment. Um, I was, of course, teaching and I happened to be on uh, Air Force Base. And I was sent to Spain on a, on a short assignment. And when I got to the airbase in Spain, there was a message in the mailbox as I checked in, and it said, please meet meet us at the officers' club tonight at 4.30 for dinner, and we will take you to something special. Well, this is my first afternoon. I'm just checking in. <laughs> you just got off the plane. And I'm thinking, I don't know who this is, and I don't. So I said to the desk clerk, who was a military person, uh, I don't know it. I showed him the note and I said, I don't know who the, and he said, oh, don't worry. He said, they've been here for all week. And he said, they're wonderful young men and they'll take care of you. I thought it sounds like a good risk sounds to me. Sounds like a good time. <laughs> well, it was some of my pilots from Germany that oh, okay. I had in class and they were going to do uh, flight protection. They go up and because Henry Kissinger was coming in for oh. a meeting with this of the president of Spain. 
And so they were going to go up and greet the plane and escort the plane in. And because they were going to do that, they could escort me to the distinguished visitor mm-hmm. pit. And I could see Henry Kissinger get off the plane. And of course, he did like all good uh, politicians mm-hmm. and diplomats came along to the guest area and shook our hands. So did that. Then I was doing a, a school in-service development project in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I was eating breakfast in the in the uh, hotel. And this very interesting looking gentleman, tall and lanky and warm and friendly, came up to me and said, do you mind if I join you? Because I would like to know who you are. And I thought, sounds pretty good in a, in a coffee shop or sure. a hotel. <laughs> and it was Dennis Weaver. Oh, okay. And he had been at the desk when I checked in and had said, I'm from Ball State University, and I'm here to, uh, to work for the State Department of Education and to do workshops for your teachers. And he said, I, had, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what it meant. And he said, when I saw you eating breakfast alone, I thought, I'll come and sit with you. So I had breakfast with Dennis Weaver. Well, nice. Such fun. That's You've just had so many cool yes. experiences. Yes. One other one that you might be interested in. Uh, many years ago, uh, I was another colleague at Michigan State, and I were invited to go to Lower Peachtree, Alabama. That's about 40 miles south of Selma, Alabama. It was back in the Lurleen Wallace and George Wallace okay, episode. Yeah. George Wallace had been governor, and then he could no longer be governor. And mm-hmm. so Lurleen was the token mm-hmm. head. And they still had a reading requirement in order to vote. You had to pass. Well, the voting commission could give you the Bible, or they could give you a a graduate chemistry textbook. okay. Or they could give you a a children's library book to read Mm -hmm. in order to pass the reading test. Well, that was not too fair, as you can see. Well, yeah. So... uh, uh, Frank Abernathy and uh, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, Dr. Martin Luther King, had written a grant to have people come in and develop a kitchen table literacy program. So we went to Lower Peachtree near Selma and trained about 50 wonderful little community people from that county Mm -hmm. to teach people how to read in their kitchens, around the kitchen table. Okay. And so I got to meet Abernathy and Dr. Martin Luther King when we flew into Atlanta mm-hmm. to get hit their perception of the grant they had written that we were going to to handle. Mm-hmm. So oh, that was fun. That is fun. And I think about that every time I drive Martin Luther oh, King yeah, Boulevard. Oh, yeah, I bet so, for sure. What's your favorite movie? Oh, I love Gone with the Wind. I love I Never Promised You a Rose Garden. I'm a wizard at at Frozen now. Okay. And um, those are some of my favorites. Okay, excellent. What's your hidden talent? Something you're good at that people might not know. I'm kind of good at greeting people and making them feel hospitable and making friends. Um, I love to bake and cook and take things to people. Uh, I love to reduce anxiety. When I volunteered in the emergency department, it was always my goal to, when people would come in and be terrorized or frightened, to mm-hmm. kind of make it be a little more comfortable and a little more enjoyable. And 
So, and then if there's any free time, I love to make greeting cards and send oh. them to people. Okay. Well, there you go. So that keeps me off the streets and out of most crime. Okay. And out of trouble. <laughs> Good. <laughs> What's something you wish you had known when you were first starting out? I think I wish I had known how much fun you could have working. Um, I have always had jobs that were fun, hard. They were always hard and, and took a lot of energy. But, and there were always good people around to mentor or to have fun with. And, um, you know, I had, going through college, they kind of leave you with the idea that in teaching, it's lesson planning and it's discipline and it's working with parents and it's PTA meetings at night and it's low salary and it's all these things. And that wasn't the way it turned out at all. And, and I absolutely loved it. When I moved here, my the very first social thing I did, which was two days after I arrived, was Muncie Civic. Oh, okay. And my neighbor had an extra ticket and took me to Muncie Civic. And so I've been addicted to Muncie uh, Civic since then. But I, I just think that the fun and the joy that I've had working. And when I trained to be an elementary teacher, I kind of saw me working kindergarten through eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have written uh, manuals for General Motors and for Chrysler Corporation and during the Nixon administration, when we had the big gas war and mm -hmm. lineups, oh, yeah. uh, Washington called me to ask if I would write a manual for 18-wheel truck drivers to handle the gears. There's At that time, there were 18 gears they had to go through to get to cruising speed. And would I write a book? Be, but they because they reduced the speed from oh, okay. you know, down, yeah. you couldn't get to those very easily, apparently. Well, I was visiting my family in, at spring break in Florida, and they chased me down, and they wanted this book on how to get through the gears. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I have never, the only 18-wheeler I had ever been in was over at the Children's Museum oh, okay. in yeah. Muncie. <laughs> And I'd certainly seen lots of them on the road, and I had seen them in state fairs and things. And I said, I, I don't think I can write that. Well, my father was an engineer for General Motors, and he's hearing the conversation, mm -hmm. and he's saying, we Yes, can yes, do it. yes, you can, do, can it. do it. <laughs> and Washington is saying, we will send you the engineer specs, but they can't write for truckers. They, they write for engineers, mm -hmm. and nobody understands what they say. And I'm thinking, I might not understand. <laughs> right. But, uh, and of course, my father had worked for General Motors truck and mm -hmm. coach, so he knew quite a bit. So I finally said, okay, send me, you know, FedEx that down to me tonight, this afternoon, and we'll work on it tonight, and I'll fix it back up to you. And if it meets your demands, we will we'll do your project mm -hmm. for you. So they we got the, the documents early in the afternoon, and my dad was just thrilled. And we sat down, and he would translate, and I would write, and we would clarify, and we simplified, and sent it back late afternoon to Washington. And they called immediately and said, it's exactly what we wanted. Well, so we finished the project that we shipped it off to Washington. It was printed quickly and, and distributed to truckers all over the United States. Then I was invited to go to Connorsville to do a in-service for their teachers. And it was before we had this wonderful weather stuff that it says it's going to arrive oh, at, yeah. mm -hmm. at 2.05. Well, I got down there on the night before, and 
lo and behold, we got 18 inches of snow in Connersville. And you kind of know Connersville gets snow when oh, yeah. deep when no others do. Well, the hotel was full of truckers that had been pulled off mm-hmm. I-70 and everything. And we were all in the coffee shop in the Holiday Inn. And I was talking to the gentleman and saying, if you get word that Highway 70 and 3, those are the two I have to travel. The mm-hmm. schools are closed, so I can't do my in-service. So I'm going home. Well, we talked, and about 11 o'clock, um, they came over, the truckers came over and said, uh, we think we're going to be able to get on the road about noon. And they said, we can take you all the way to Highway 3. And... Uh, and if if we get word that it's okay, we'll motion for you to go off there. But we're going to cradle you, which was a word I didn't know, <laughs> in between okay. the 18 wheelers. In the meantime, the superintendent now is at the Holiday Inn joining us for breakfast. And these men, uh, they said, and what is your name? So I introduced myself and the superintendent. And the one man said, we have a manual in our truck. <laughs> That's written by a stickle. All the other men said, yeah, we do. And and I said, is it one on your transmission? And and they said, yes. And I said, he said, did you write that? Or did someone in your family Mm -hmm. write that? And I said, I wrote that. Well, we had lots of fun. Oh, I bet. Yeah. So uh, life has just been fun. Yeah, that sounds great. So what does success mean to you? I'm a firm believer that success is a pathway. It's not a destination. So every day is kind of a success level. You know, if I can go to bed feeling it's been a good day, there's been a baby comforted, there's been a mama pleased with something that happened, there's been some new patient that was afraid of chemo and saw it wasn't as ominous as they thought. Uh, If I found a parking place at the hospital... Those are all my feelings of success. If if I can go to Civic and help somebody get their costume on, if if we can sing a song in Hunchback and the audience applauses or stands in ovation, that's success. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming by today. You are so welcome. I always admire everything you do and thank you for all you do for Civic and everything else around town. No problem. Well, thank you. And thanks for stopping by the farmhouse. You're welcome. So it is February and a few years ago, it came up on my timeline, my memories timeline on Facebook that you were in Rock of Ages at the Muncie Civic Theater. I was, and that was such a fun show. I mean, all the shows are fun, but that one was like extra fun. How many shows have you been in, you think? Let's see. I've been in My Son Pinocchio. I was in Mary Poppins, Taffetas, and 9 to 5, The Christians. Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages, Hunchback. I feel like I'm forgetting another one, but... That's seven, right. You were just seven, in Hunchback. I almost forgot about I, I that. I was one. just in Hunchback. You were you were in the choir. Yes, I love that. It was great. I just because I love to sing. Singing's singing's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, like Elf. Um, <laughs> 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 and so I got to come in and sing and learn choir music and like all these harmonies and hard parts and that's like my favorite part. Like I nerd out on stuff like that. So I got to do that and sing and sit in like a little choir like a church pew and then go home. It was great. I loved it. Well, Farmhouse Creative has had a long history with Muncie Civic Theater. Oh, yeah. But I have to say, myself, I've had an even longer history because when we met back in 
2006 mm-hmm. Long time ago. or so, I was working for a company, uh, a web design development company that was located right next to, right in the middle between Gordy's and uh, Muncie Civic Theater. Yeah, so we rented out a little space right there. It was right like a there, little strip, and it's in like where- In front of the green room. That was in back of me. Yeah, you guys had to share the bathroom with the green room and yes. stuff, which is, I can <laughs> only imagine what it looked like after shows. Actually, I know what it looked like because I- was dating you at the time and i went back there i'm like oh no this is disgusting but now civic has obviously taken over that whole space and yes. now where your office used to be is now the dressing rooms and all of and that bathrooms. and the bathroom the new <laughs> bathrooms of muncie civic theater so every time i walk in there i'm like oh this used to be matt's office this is strange but fun so i like it another thing about muncie civic theater is some people say it's haunted it is 100 percent haunted now yes. why would you say that uh, because it's 100% haunted. <laughs> like I said, I worked in there for a good two to three years. I never had any issues. No hauntings. No but you didn't go upstairs. Extra, nothing. You didn't ever go upstairs like in the costume Oh, shop. God, no. It was scary up there. Well, yes. <laughs> it's still, it's renovated and it's beautiful up there now. But back in the day, yeah. Gladys, the costumer, used to live there. They were apartments up there and stuff. She still lives there. Like she has not gone away. She loves. You can smell. She her. comes down and visits. She people, comes huh? and visits. You can smell her perfume. Sometimes she'll open some doors and cabinets and things that you 100 percent did not do, and you know it was not you. Uh, so yeah, she's there. And then the basement, and then there's a sub basement, which I have not even gone into because I hate basements. I of went all to kinds. the sub basement with Amy Leffingwell, yeah. who is she stage manages a lot of shows there. She is, of course, our employee here at Farmhouse Creative. Yeah, we went down there, and it's really creepy down there. Really creepy. They used to use it like during Prohibition and all kinds of things. It used to be a speakeasy at one point and all kinds of stuff. So there's some there are some entities Gladys down there, too. Gladys is not there. That, that's some other thing. Yeah, I don't there. know who's down there. Gladys stays upstairs. Whatever's downstairs, I don't want to mess with because they're they're weird. It's not, not fun. But yeah, so it's 100% haunted, um, but very fun. I love being in it. I'm contemplating potentially auditioning for another show that's coming up soon. We'll yeah, see. Angie does about one to two shows per year. Really After can't... you did, what, three or four one year, and you were like, done, can't do it, no more. Yeah, this I did, is crazy. I did two shows. I did Mary Poppins and 9 to 5 back to back. Back to back, yes. Like, it was we like were six perf- months I didn't see you. Yeah, we were performing one <laughs> show while rehearsing another, and that was a lot as, on top of, you know, being a wife and a mom and running a business and all that. So that's too much. So, and I don't ever want to be like, I don't need to be the star of the show. I just be in the background, be somebody's mom or a townsperson or just in the choir. That's totally cool with me. So School of Rock is coming up. Oh, yes. And that looks like a fun show. It's going to be a fun show. Maybe now that I put it on blast out in the world, maybe our 18 year old's going to audition with me. I don't know. He says he's going to, but he might change his mind. Now, are auditions coming up? They are. I don't know when they are off the top of my head, but they are coming up. All right, you better check that. Check the website. I don't want you to miss the opportunity to be on stage again at the Muncie Civic Theater. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Gone Boss. Be sure to check us out at goneboss.com or hashtag goneboss. We're on Instagram at goneboss2k or you can find us on Facebook just by searching Gone Boss. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Today's episode was brought to you by our premier sponsor, Schaefer Leadership Academy. Check them out at schaeferleadership.com.
Com. Have a great rest of your day, and don't forget to tune in next week to find out who has gone, gone boss. boss.